Welcome to Rhythm, Routine, and Reverence, the podcast that inspires parents and caregivers to craft and create a nourishing and nurturing home that supports the entire family, head, heart, and hands. I'm Megan Rose Wilson. I'm a parent educator and Waldorf early years teacher. But of all the roles I play, my role as homekeeper for our family of six is nearest and dearest to my heart. Today, we're going to be exploring how to create calming evening routines that support restorative sleep for both you and your children. Instead of me just riffing on the basics, which I'm sure many of you have already uh, they you know or you've read or you know some of those little bits of the rhythm are probably going well for you. Um, a lot of the tips that I give on a regular basis are um, ideas about calming rituals, doing the same thing around the same time every evening, unplugging from screens is a big one. Uh, so instead of kind of just listing those. Uh, tips. I'm going to answer some questions that I got from Instagram on a poll that I put up recently. So uh, Instagram lets you ask questions, but then you can only answer in like tiny little blurbs. So I've reworded everyone's questions for clarity. And I apologize in advance if I interpreted your comment or your question incorrectly. Uh, I did the best I could and I think I got the gist for most people. So let's begin. Okay, so we'll get started. Uh, it's very early in the morning here because it's summer, and this is the quietest time of the day for me all summer long with all the kids home. So here we go. How can I manage a tight bedroom turnaround between when work ends and my children's early bedtimes? So yeah, that is... Um, a really common question that I get and I feel it myself especially because my children are older and they have after school activities which means that um, you know at least three days a week we aren't home from school all f uh, four children until sometimes six o'clock and my two younger children their bedtime is still around 7 seven thirty. so we have an hour and a half to eat dinner bathe get PJs on read a book um, kind of unwind and get the children into bed. And it's really tricky. Uh, I'd say the most important part to that flow working is that dinner is ready. So if you're working uh, outside of the home, uh, I know a lot of working parents really uh, utilize their crock pot for those days uh, or have uh, a meal prepping routine on the weekend so that dinners are really quick and easy to prepare. Uh, if it's only once, twice a week, you could do things like uh, bring a picnic in the car, with which I've shown um, photos of in my stories on Instagram. On one particular night a week, my son had sport until six, so we wouldn't get home till close to seven o'clock. And as I said, my daughter's bedtimes are at around 7, 7.30. So we had dinner in the car on those nights. I know it's not the 
picturesque, most perfect Waldorf um, imagination of a, a family dinner, but it worked for us and it kept their bedtime really regular because I think their sleep is of um, utmost importance. What else? Don't pick up your phone at all during that time. I know it's really tricky uh, and a sensitive topic, but if you can turn off your phone or hide it, it's going to save you at least 30 minutes of just kind of either mindless scrolling in between tasks because what what phones often do is they distract us in transitions. So even just last night, I found myself, my daughter didn't really want to go upstairs and she and she was crawling slowly up the stairs just to kind of make her point that she didn't want to go up and get her PJs on but she wasn't going to just run away either so she she just crawled as slowly as she could up the stairs and i just let her do that because she she needed to do that and there was no point in starting an argument over it but then i found myself picking my phone out of my pocket and kind of starting to scroll while i was slowly walking up the stairs behind her and that is such a classic example of how uh, our phones just draw us in all the time especially in those really kind of awkward small transition moments and sure I probably wouldn't have really been able to um, push her to move that much more fast if I had not picked up my phone but what it did is it distracted me from the present moment and it um, it took me, you know, a few more more moments to kind of recover and get more present with her by the time we got to the top of the stairs. And if you multiply that by like 5, 10, 15 times that it happens over that hour and a half, it makes a significant difference, especially with... Um, little ones like toddlers because I'd say the opposite would be true for a toddler they'd be like running up the stairs and running down the hallway and getting into like the next toy or the next um, adventure and if you weren't really present there with them you wouldn't um, be able to kind of gently bring them along with the rhythm and where you wanted them to go whether it was uh, to the bathtub or to their room to put their pjs on So that, uh, for me, is another uh, really important thing to consider when you, especially when you have a tight bedtime like that, but just in general with children, and then especially if you want to be present at bedtime, is put uh, your phone and your screens away. So I'll move on to the next question. How to juggle multiple children at one time, including some of them getting up. Uh, This particular person has children ages four, five, and nine, and is a single parent. Um, She's asking, and another person also, a few people asked this question, um, but another person asked about staggering bedtimes or putting them down together. Uh, So yeah, I have four children who are all somewhere between like a year and a half and two I think the biggest gap I have is like two and a half years um, between each other. And uh, it it has definitely been a dance over the years. It's never been the same. We've utilized different strategies depending on the age and stage of everyone. Uh, Overall, we tend to have the older two children go to bed at a different time than the younger two children. And that's been pretty consistent over the past seven-ish years. Where do I begin? 
get creative with your bedtime routine and rhythm kind of ask okay so which part isn't working so for example um, if the younger ones are getting all the attention and you feel like the older one is getting up or interrupting um, while you're just settling the younger ones down or you feel like you're not uh, attending to the older one quite as much then I'd say okay so look at your ritual with your younger ones and what is taking so long in that routine is it the lead up into getting to bed uh, is bath time taking too long is brushing teeth taking a really long time is the whole thing just <laughs> taking a long time and then if so maybe look at that last question I answered and your phone use and uh, different little aspects like that and tweak it um, Maybe it's transitions and resistance to transitions and how can you smooth out those transitions or minimize them. So an example of minimizing a transition is don't finish a bath and then leave the bathroom, get PJs on, and then come back into the bathroom to brush teeth. It's a lot simpler um, and less of a transition if the children uh, either brush their teeth in the bathtub if you're comfortable with that or as soon as they get out of the bathtub you kind of dry them off have their pjs in the bathroom on the counter get their pjs on and they brush teeth and you've got them in the bathroom that entire time and everything's kind of ready and set out like that that's going to minimize the amount of transitions that you need to do in between rooms with little kids um, if it's that getting your children to sleep and kind of unwind is taking a really long time and so your older ones are kind of left um, waiting, then decreasing the amount of time that you're in there settling your little children is, is probably the way to go. And that takes, takes a long time, but it, it takes a lot of intentionality. So transitioning from lying with them until they fall asleep, which would sometimes can take, you know, 40, 45 minutes, um, to sitting on a chair in their, beside their bed and, and holding their hand, to sitting on a chair outside of their room in the hallway and reading a book to yourself so that they know that you're present, um, but you're not actually lying with them. Um, things like that so that they're starting to learn how to transition out of needing your uh, presence uh, for an entire hour or whatever it is to keep them settled. Again, like I'm making it really seem so simple, <laughs> but it takes a long time to create these uh, shifts in your routine. Like I'd say you'd give yourself a month in which you transition from lying in bed while they fall asleep to getting to the hallway on a chair and you know drinking a cup of tea and reading a book or something and then maybe eventually you transition to having the chair there and saying I'm just gonna go make my cup of tea in the kitchen while you're falling asleep and then I'll come back and then they'll get used to completely falling asleep without even you on that chair and they know that you're gonna come back to that chair and and so on and so forth so it's this baby step system away um, it's the gentlest way to teach them to sleep completely independently. And I have a highlight about how we gently led my youngest daughter to sleep through the night in her bed because she was always coming into our bed. And to be honest, she's eight. She still 
comes into our bed once a week-ish. Uh, she's just a real cuddler, and we walk her back, and it's been the hardest out of all of our children to transition her completely independently. And um, I guess also she's our youngest, so we're not as resistant. We know that it's a, a fleeting little period in their lives and that um, it will pass. <laughs> so, uh, But when, when we did transition her and and help her to learn how to sleep all night in her bed when she was about I'm gonna say about five um she I put a huge reel uh on Instagram or not a reel a highlight on Instagram about it and it's still there uh so you can go I think it's called sleep or something like that uh bedtime maybe so you could have a look at that if you're um wondering about that transition uh, and sorry, I still haven't got to the ages, so multiple ages. <laughs> so this is all about decreasing the amount of time that you have to spend on one specific child and, and spreading your time evenly between your multiple children. So the older one, while they're waiting for you to uh, put down the younger ones, uh, they could be doing something novel that is interesting to them. So if they're too young to read a book, which is kind of like the classic, like you read your chapter book while the others are are going to sleep and you have the privilege of getting to stay up a little bit later and you make a big deal about that, that they're the older one and they have a later bedtime and they can read their book or look at the, their picture book. But if that um, isn't in their developmental range or, or just isn't really very interesting to them. You could try something like a, a novel, interesting sensory craft, having it set up in their room only for that time, um, listening to an audio book at that time in their room. My daughter used to do that for years, listening to a story quietly. Now she's a teenager, the older She's my second of the four, and she, she listens to Spotify. She listens to her music while I'm putting the other two down. Um, and what else with the older and the younger? If you have an infant, uh, don't be afraid to pull back the kind of older child, like let's say you have an infant and a toddler, and the toddler normally goes to bed at uh, 7.30 or 8, and the infant... Uh, is really tired but requires like a lot of time to breastfeed and put down and, and settle. I think there, there were a few stages in my uh, life when I would put the older one to bed earlier. So I kind of pulled back their bedtime to maybe like 7, 7.30 and put them down because they were pretty good at going to sleep and knew their bedtime rhythm pretty well. And then I would put the baby down after that. So you can play around. It doesn't have to go in order, in birth order of what time their, their bedtime is necessarily. Um, yeah, and, and there's more... So another question I got, I'll just skip ahead because it's kind of related, is older children. Routines were great when they were younger, but it's harder when they're older. What do we, or when do they get more autonomy over their bedtime routine? And what does an older child's routine look like? And I think this is related as well. And I think, yeah, starting um, from age 10-ish, maybe a little bit older, uh, my children's bedtime routines did really change. I still held a pretty strong bedtime until around when they're 12. Um, 
as in at a very specific time, their lights were out, there were no more distractions, no more reading or anything, and they really needed to settle down and go to sleep because, uh, again, they need such a huge amount of sleep for, for optimal health. And we have a very specific waking window in the morning, which also really um, dictates when your children should be going to sleep. If you look at uh, if you look it up online, you can look up uh, sleep times, ideal sleep times for uh, certain age developmental ages. Um, it will tell you specifically how much sleep your child needs based on their age. And then if you wake up every day or your child wakes up every day around like the same time, you can do the math and figure out what time their bedtime should be based on how much sleep they need. Um, and that's what we've done all the way through. So uh, the older children now, I have a, an almost 13 and an almost 15 year old for a at least the past year with the 13, almost 13 year old, uh, she's been mostly in charge of her routine. She, both of them, both of my older children do kind of follow the younger children in the sense that after dinner, we go upstairs, we start unwinding. They often will brush their teeth around the same time as the younger ones, although sometimes they go back down to the kitchen and make a snack, which we've had to navigate carefully because I didn't want the younger two to then kind of also want a second snack. So we had to hold a few boundaries, creative boundaries around that and say, you know, if you're going to make another snack before bed um, because they're that much older and you can't really just ban them from the kitchen. They're independent. They can make their own food and they can uh, read their own hunger cues. Um, they had to very quietly make the snack, not bring it anywhere, but have it only in the kitchen and generally not start making it. Yeah, not start making it until the younger ones were really settled upstairs and we're not going to come back into the kitchen to see them making this delicious feast. Um, that the older two, uh, one of the other rules that we have is that they can't be kind of lingering in the hallways or playing or being silly with each other or being loud while we're putting the younger two to sleep and kind of settling them. So between the hours of like, 6.45 and 7.45, they're expected to either kind of be in the kitchen, doing homework at the table, they can be in their rooms quietly listening to music or a podcast, but they can't um, be, yeah, running around the house and playing, which sometimes they get a second win with each other and it's the first time all day that they're giggling and getting along, which is uh, a little bit frustrating. I'm sure a lot of you relate, but generally they do listen to that kind of boundary and respect it and as for their bedtime um, they are not to have any screens past i mean each of them have has their own unique screen rules based on their age and um, access to certain things the oldest one uses a screen for homework so that is a whole other dance that we we do um, the the second oldest doesn't need a screen for schoolwork so hers is more to email friends or listen to music so we have a different set of rules for her but neither of them will have their screens at all past eight o'clock i think the older one it's 8 30 um, during the school year and they uh, are generally in charge of putting themselves to sleep like i don't give them a strict bedtime but they are expected to be asleep 
the older one by 10 and the uh, second oldest by 9. Uh, she sometimes pushes that to 9.15, 9.20, which isn't ideal, but she does listen to her body, and when she's feeling tired, um, she'll go to bed earlier the next night. So it does depend on, I guess, the personality of the child. I would say keep talking to them because they're that much older about the importance of sleep, why it's so important for their bodies, especially as, as growing teenagers, um, for their mental health, for their growth, all of that. And uh, it's like building healthy eating habits and eating choices. It's a, a lifestyle that you're promoting in your family based on your values. Um, so yeah, there is this dance between letting them figure it out on their own a little bit and not you know, going in and turning out all their lights and giving them this strict bedtime every night, but also making it really boring. So it, taking the screens away all of a sudden does make bedtime earlier because everybody's tired and they would listen to their... Um, fatigue cues a lot sooner if they don't have a screen. Okay, so I'm going to move on to another question. What do I do if the children are resisting routine and changes or even resisting established routines? Yeah, so sometimes rhythms and routines that we have even established suddenly just don't seem to be working anymore. Something's just not vibing and it's off. So when this happens, I stop and kind of ask myself, okay, what do the children need or what are they asking of me right now? Again, I ask about transitions, like which transitions aren't working, um, which part of that routine. Like if I, if I was doing a, cons uh, a consult with this person, a one-on-one -on -one session, the first thing that I would ask um, as a follow-up question is which part of the bedtime routine isn't working um, and then I'd ask things like about transitions I'd ask about the parents presence because as much as uh, it's it's so hard with children there is this aspect of where is the adults presence in in the transition or, or the routine and I just find the more present I, we're so tired as adults and children at that time of day we've been holding space for our children all day long and at the end of the day you're just like you you kind of it's like you almost think you're already at the finish line but you actually have to get there and if you imagine a race I don't actually know anything about racing but I can imagine that at the end of a race um, uh, mentally the runner has to kind of almost give themselves that extra push to kind of push through to the to the finish line and that's kind of what bedtime is like it's you have to um, find that extra bit of energy and presence in yourself and give it everything for that last hour in order for things to go smoothly. Um, I'd also say, yeah, I guess another common theme is that you finally get your kids into bed and they're just still pretty active and awake and um, yeah, just really awake and not sleepy, not ready for that transition. And so I'd ask about the unwinding routine. So like a book before bed or a song or what were you doing leading up to getting into bed? Because it should be a pretty um, 
calm and quiet environment for that last 45 minutes. I know we're in summer and it's light uh, until very late, so it's tricky to get things dark, but kind of turning, I, I call it putting the whole house to sleep. So when my when it's my younger two's bedtime, I kind of, I put the whole house to sleep. So the kitchen's already cleaned up. The lights are all out downstairs. Everything's kind of tidied. Uh, their bedroom lights are already off when they go in there. I've turned off the bedroom lights. I've pulled the curtains. We've read a book on my bed. Uh, and again, that presence and not rushing this part of the process, as tricky as it is, uh, makes a huge difference because there, there there is an energetic difference between, and I know this from my own experience, <laughs> um, between reading a bedtime book at like full speed because you just want to move on to the next part of the transition. Maybe you have a baby waiting. Maybe, you know, it's just you're trying to just get to that next, that last step of the bedtime routine and then reading a book with presence and reading it slowly and allowing the children to actually kind of get into that content um, a purist Waldorf approach would say to only read one book before bed, um, not one book a day, uh, but one book before bed so that that one story kind of sits with the child and they're not overwhelmed with like multiple pictures in their head and multiple storylines. I've never really adhered to that much. I think we stuck to two, usually two books before bed when they were younger uh, because they needed that time to kind of unwind. Again, you're, we do it on our, our bed, so they're physically in contact with you. You're cuddling with them. You could be stroking their head, um, mas massaging their shoulders while you're reading. So it's, it's that already, that kind of like physically unwinding, feeling warm and safe. And then when they get into bed, uh, if they are still kind of awake and not ready to settle, uh, I would ask that question of like, what, what is it that they're not ready to let go of? Are they not ready to let go of your, your presence? Um, are they not ready to let go of the day? Are they still filled with a lot of the day's events? Do they need to kind of um, vent or, or talk about something that happened in the day? Some families have this, the rose and thorn tradition where they talk about something they loved in the day and something that was challenging uh, do they need some one more little uh, ritual that will help them to know that it really is time to go to sleep and that will help them unwind whether that's a prayer or a verse or a little song um, I've shared many times before that we have done different verses uh, before bed. One of them is, um, oh gosh, I'm losing it right now. Uh, well, love be in your head and in your thinking. Love be in your mouth and in your speaking. Love be in your hands and in your doing. Love May love be all around you. And that's taken from an old verse and I replace the word God with love. Um, and then there's another one that I've shared before. I'll put it in the show notes. It's not coming to me right now at six in the morning. <laughs> it's not the right time of day for it. Uh, but yeah, having little transitions like that might also help. Um, yeah, okay, we'll leave that question for now. 
new bedtime routine and transitioning from co-sleeping I just say I think I've already shared a lot about that but try and find that Instagram highlight I think it's called sleep or bedtime uh, because that gives you a really detailed example how of how we transitioned from lying with our daughter and getting her to sleep through the night we never actually co-sleeped from the beginning of the night our children always had their own cribs or cots or beds and they started their sleep in their own bed and then they would often come into our bed at night and then sleep there the rest of the night but it's it's essentially the exact same thing um and i think the only other question left uh well how to manage the light in the summer and go to bed at a decent time that that one is tricky i think it really just comes to blackout curtains um, and uh, turning out all those lights at night, like I said, uh, you can push the bedtime to be a bit later in the summer if you have later wake-up times naturally, which often happens with everyone's circadian rhythms. They kind of shift a little bit in the summer, uh, but it, it is tricky, and so if your bedtime routine is okay and, and doesn't really need a big uh, change right now, I would also consider you know thinking about what are the challenges that you're you're facing right now in the bedtime routine and if they're not that big a deal maybe waiting and tweaking things and changing things as fall approaches and it does get darker because really yeah the fall through to the winter is the best time to make bedtime uh, changes because that that darkness really does help you um, in the process uh, for example, if you are going to transition a toddler out of their crib into a big kid bed, I would highly recommend uh, transitioning in the autumn or winter as opposed to the summer because it's going to be a lot harder if their bedroom is really light <laughs> and they can, they can get out of that bed anytime they want and see everything and play with everything in their room. Um, and then the last question is how to unwind after the fullness of my own day as an entrepreneur and caregiver. How can I decompress and get to bed at a good time? So this is definitely a journey for everybody. It's really unique to each person. Um, I have found, so when my children were smaller, and I, and I know this is so common, you know, that evening is like, was finally my time, and I really wanted to pack as much as I could into that time. Um, I did, I have always made sure that all of the domestic tasks are done by the time it's my children's bedtime. So whether I'm sharing that with my partner or I'm uh, creating a routine for myself during the day to make sure that, for example, the dinner dishes are totally put away and clean in the dishwasher by you know 6.30 and the kitchen's all cleaned up and the lights are out downstairs, everything's put away so that when my children are in bed, I don't have to go back and then do any domestic chores. Uh, because I want that time to be myself because it is such a be for myself because that's such a small window uh, I well, yeah, when my children were little I did a lot of computer work and uh, you know sometimes scrolling on the internet but I did a lot of my, my my work for my business in those hours because they were all home with me now that they are at school I can do those uh, small bouts of business work during the day 
and I really adhere to my nine o'clock bedtime. So I'm going to bed sometimes a little bit earlier than my teenagers. And again, I just know that they don't have access to screens after I go to sleep. And so <laughs> they can they can manage their own bedtime and I manage mine. And then I use the mornings like I am right now to do the things that I want to do for myself. And so I had to kind of go through that transition where I promised myself that just because I was sacrificing that time for myself in the evening didn't mean that I was not going to get it. It just meant I was going to get it at a different time. Um, so but it, that really depends on what stage you are in in life because if you have little ones that wake up before you, then you're not going to get that morning time. And I understand how important the evening time is for you. But I just, again, it's really not very dissimilar to what you do for your children when you hold bedtime boundaries for your children. You're, you need to also hold bedtime boundaries for yourself and, and give yourself that same love that you would give to your children. So it's almost uh, like that term, like that reparenting. What do you need? How much sleep do you need to uh, be healthy and thriving and not feel overtired all the time? And so do that math again. What time do you normally have to wake up every day? And what time does that mean you need to go to bed? And then holding that boundary for yourself. Uh, unwinding, again, it's just like for my teenagers, setting boundaries for yourself for your digital time, uh, having a place to charge your phone outside of your bed bedroom. It's always so helpful if you have a partner in this and somebody who can uh, hold you accountable and who wants to do it with you. Um, those little things are going to make a huge difference. And then, of course, the, the usual unwinding uh, rituals like having a bath with Epsom salts, dimming the lights, uh, keeping the room dark and cool, and reading a book, doing something that's uh, not too stimulating before bed, or uh, meditating, doing something to unwind, connecting with your partner in some way, and talking. I know it sounds so simple, but it's those are a lot of things that we've lost as a culture that's so consumed with our screens. Uh, so I think that's it for today. Let me know how this episode went for you, if you like this uh, Q&A format. And if you have any other questions, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me. If the parts of this episode uh, that resonated most deeply were the parts about unplugging, uh, please check out my uh, Creating Digital Guidelines for the Whole Family, my e-guide. That will really help you dig into holding boundaries for your children, but also for yourself around bedtime and other times. Uh, and that's it. So thanks for being here and see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you found it inspiring or helpful, please share it with friends and family or subscribe. If you're looking for information and inspiration, head to MeganRoseWilson.com. 